In August 2018, the City of Kansas City published an analysis of economic development incentives by the Council of Development Finance Agencies. Based on multiple open records requests over the past few months, it appears that the $350,000 Kansas City Incentive Study was fatally flawed from its inception. Show Me Institute's Director of Municipal Policy, Patrick Tui, recently issued a report detailing several issues with the study, including the methodology used to reach its conclusions. The full report and supporting documents can be found at showmeinstitute.org. Find more Show Me Institute podcasts on SoundCloud at soundcloud slash showmeinstitute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass and Patrick Tui. When you say economic development, if you live in St. Louis, we're saying Ballpark Village, the f- new foundry, Laclede's Landing, uh, people in University City might be hearing about a Costco that's going in. Kansas City, what do you got? So we've got the downtown area, but let's back up a little bit and, and talk about, well, talk about what it is we're talking about. Sure. So it's not so much economic development uh, as it is the incentives that cities use supposedly to spur that incentive. And uh, when you and I drive through our town or any of the listeners and we see a new construction going on, it's it's exciting. It's like, hey, somebody's investing in our community. That reflects well on us. Uh, that's a good thing. More mm-hmm. jobs, you know, increased land value. Um, but I talk about economic development incentives uh, as if, um, I mean, imagine getting a Valentine's Day card from your mom, mm-hmm. right? You get the red envelope in the mail and you're excited. Somebody loves me. And then you open it up and realize it doesn't count. My mom has to send me stuff like this. There's no net gain of love in my life. And so that's what happens with economic development incentives is we see new development and and we think and politicians tell us that this is a new good thing, but it turns out upon examination that really taxpayers are paying for this. There's no real net gain of jobs or uh, private investment. Uh, it's just taxpayers are, are uh, taking the risk and dumping a lot of taxpayer dollars uh, into private pockets. This is how I was thinking about it, and tell me if this is an insane analogy, but let's say that there's a private school that uh, is really attractive to parents, and it's a little expensive, but you know that the movers and shakers in town send their kids there, and celebrities send their kids there, so you make the effort and you send your kids to this private school. And then you find out one day that those kids aren't actually paying tuition. The school just wants them because they attract people and they think it makes it a better school. And so everybody else is paying more tuition than they would to make up for the fact that these people that they just want aren't paying any. So we're all paying more to get these kids there who aren't improving anyone's education. But maybe the head of school is getting invited to some pretty cool you know, games or maybe right. box seats or something. So, I mean, I think you have talked a little bit about these economic development incentives being connected to political activity. Sure. So, you know, that's certainly part of it. Imagine uh, you're a, uh, uh, you own a small store and uh, you sell, let's say it's a general store, but now Walmart's coming in or a big retailer and they're going to compete with you and you're nervous about that. And then you find out they're not having to pay the same taxes that you are. And in fact, your taxes may go up to make up for the taxes they aren't paying. So now what's happened is maybe you're willing to compete with Walmart on a um, level playing field, sure. right? But the the kind of insult to injury that the government is actually weighing in and is clearly choosing favorites and you may lose your business or at least uh, have to cut back because you can't compete with a business 
that has kind of the um, that government has smiled upon, and they don't have to pay property tax, or they don't have to pay uh, a sales tax, or they get all the property tax and sales tax they pay returned to them. So, um, if government wants to do this, if government wants to say we're going to adopt policies because we think it increases investment in the community, it creates jobs, um, it increases property value and and the quality of life. I say that's fine. Let me see the data. Sure. So, so at some point, the Kansas City City Council said, you know, there's this crazy Patrick Tui on the radio and the television all the time <laughs> talking about these economic development incentives or tax incentives, and we like to use them. But uh, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should get a study done, right, to see if they really are improving the economy yeah. of Kansas City or not. And I think that's a good idea with them. That's great. No, absolutely. Get a study done. Let's let's investigate the impact of, of this yep. uh, policy. And, and you're absolutely hard. right. Uh, after the um, a particular project went belly up in Kansas City, uh, Hellsburg BNIM TIF in 2015. And TIF is? Tax increment financing. Basically, a developer wanted um, subsidies to uh, develop a building and, and move a... Um, uh, a, a successful engineering firm, design firm, architecture firm in there. And, uh, you know, she wanted subsidies so that she could charge higher per square foot rent than the businesses around her. And again, I get it. If if government's going to give you some of that sweet, sweet tax money so that you can uh, do what you were going to do anyway. That that's sounds great. like a scam to me, but. So that deal fell apart. And then there was a lot of pressure and it fell apart because uh, school, uh, public school parents um, who who felt that this project was going to take money away from public education. As it would. Right. Um, stood up and said, no, we don't want this. There was a lot of political pressure. And so the deal fell apart. Uh, but the city council said, look, we really need to get a handle on this. Let's, let's investigate economic development incentives we're doing. And so the city undertook a process to study it. And the study took two years. And let's just say, wait, there are plenty of uh, urban economic urban economists who would have been able to model this. And oh, you would absolutely. say, okay, before the TIF happened, here's how the economy was producing and after the TIF, and then you control for all the mitigating factors. There are ways, it's possible to do it, but it would be complex and you need the right group of people doing it. So yes, like like any endeavor, sure. uh, you need the right people doing it and they have to have the right incentives. Uh, to you know, to produce a, a good, uh, honest uh, project. Look, the the St. Louis Development Corporation published a study by the PFM Group, I think, in 2016, which said we spend an awful lot of money on incentives in St. Louis, and we really don't have anything to show for it. Um, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill published a study where they looked at TIF in Chicago and said that uh, you know they compared areas that received TIF with similar areas that did not. And found that there was no benefit. Um, so studies have been done by UMKC, University of Missouri in Kansas City, that mm-hmm. said that TIF is, um, uh, you know, unevenly applied. So there are plenty of studies. Um, one company, uh, W.E. Upjohn Institute for Employment Research, uh, published Sounds a study. <laughs> published a study where they looked at the different methodologies that have been used oh, okay. to study uh, subsidies, and they said some of these overstate. Uh, the benefit, some of these understate the benefit, but the point being, there are plenty of different ways to study the impact of economic development studies. What Kansas City put out did none of that. Okay, so let's go through what what they did. The city council said we need a study. Yes. And then what happened? 
So the city council said we need a study. Uh, then the city manager, who's the executive in Kansas City, the city manager put out a request for proposals. Okay. They received eight proposals uh, from a number of different firms, uh, private firms, one of whom had done the study in St. Louis, for example. And they also received a... What about the Upjohn? Uh, so the, up, the Upjohn themselves didn't apply, okay. but the um, council, the CDFA, the Council for Development Finance uh, Agencies... Um, which is a trade group. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody referred to them as the TIF Industrial Complex. Okay. Um, applied to conduct the study. Theirs was the highest bid of the eight, um, but they included as one of their partners on the study the W.E. Upjohn Institute, oh, which, okay. which was good because I thought, well, here's some people who've actually done some yes. legitimate research. Um, the, the CDFA was hired. Again, theirs was the highest bid. We contracted uh, with them for actually more than the amount of their bid. But somewhere between their bid and the contract, Upjohn was dropped as a team member. Interesting. And a REMI, um, R-E-M-I, and I forget uh, what the acronym stands for, but uh, REMI was chosen. But REMI already consults in Kansas City for the folks who assess economic development incentives. So what you have in that situation, I would argue, not only is the CDFA conflicted because they have an incentive to support all uh, TIF subsidies, um, but the, their partners in the study are conflicted because they are already involved in Kansas City policy. So basically, you've got people looking over their own work. Okay, so, okay, I said the fox watching the hen house, but you said more like big tobacco hiring a firm that they know is going to find right. that tobacco's. I mean, like, so if I stood give up, me an example. If of- I stood up in front of the city council and said, I've got a study on the effects of sm- secondhand smoking in bars, and they said, well, who published it? I'm like, oh, the Tobacco Institute. They'd be sure. like, uh, you may leave now. Right. But that's exactly what so we did. So it's a lot of acronyms, but basically what happened is the people that were supposed to study whether TIFs are good or bad, whether whether they have a positive impact, you know, when they decide where to, to give out these credits because they want something developed, does that improve the economy of Kansas City? They hired the group that has an incentive yes. to find that they do. And that's not even the worst problem. I don't want to kind of make ad hominem attacks on this research and said, well, you hired people who are conflicted. The methodology they adopted is really the problem. Well, I could explain it. Sure. So uh, what happens when you apply for an economic development subsidy or an incentive? Um, you have to demonstrate through what is called a but-for analysis that without the incentive, this project wouldn't happen. And um, so you basically you're saying without this incentive, but for this incentive, the project wouldn't happen. Because the government wants to make sure it's not spending money on stuff that would happen anyway. The so problem, they're like, well, I would never develop that land on my own, but if I get this tax credit, I'll think about it. That's right. Okay. And, and, and really what it should be is like nobody would ever develop yes. this land. Uh, but if you provide some sort of incentive it's to protect it. them mm-hmm. from risk, right, you sweeten the deal. The problem in Missouri is that the terms are so meaningless and the standards for developing uh, and reporting on these um, um, uh, incentives are so meaningless that anybody can get a project. So the but-for analysis specifically, and blight is the other part of it, and that's a mess. But the but-for analysis basically says, you know, you have to show evidence that this land wouldn't be developed without an incentive. But oftentimes the only documentation is an affidavit from the developer saying, I won't, I, won't, do it. I won't do it without the incentive. And so imagine, imagine you know, your child coming up to you and says, I want $10. And you're like, are you sure? Yes. 
are you sure? And they say yes. And you're like, all right, I'm satisfied. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've gone Could you to- write that down? <laughs> right, Could exactly. you just write down, I want $10? All right, then. Uh, and, and so I get that a developer wants it. Sure. But that's, that itself shouldn't be a standard. So what the CDFA study did was it did not go back and examine any of these but-for analysis, like, like other research around the country has done. They simply assumed that any economic growth that happened after a TIF happened because of the TIF. So there could have been coming out of a recession. That That's could have right. had a, an impact. There could be um, a number of factors that would have affected the economy of Kansas City that have nothing to do with the TIFs. That's right. And, and the other thing is, you know, one example, one egregious example of incentives in Kansas City is the Burns and Mack uh, a project at uh, Warnell and 95th Street, Warnell and Bannister in Kansas City. So so there used to be a Jewish temple there, Beth Shalom. Now the congregation had moved to Kansas, and so the land had, sent, had sat empty. But it was next to Burns and Mack's existing world headquarters. And Burns and Mack's development partner, uh, Van Trust Corporation, had already purchased the land. Okay. So they went to the city and asked for, I think, $40 million in incentives to develop uh, land to build their world headquarters. And the city, the, 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 the observation the city makes is if we hadn't given this incentive, it wouldn't have happened. And because we gave the incentive, it happened. Now, nobody believes this. There's no way. They already own the land next door. Right. They, they, well, their world headquarters is next door. Their development partner already owns the land on which they're rebuilding. Now, without the subsidy, maybe their executive dining room is going to be a little less posh. Sure. Or maybe they've got one less floor of parking. Mm-hmm. But to argue that an engineering firm um, wasn't going to build next to their existing world headquarters is ridiculous. But statutorily, because of the definition that the legislature gives to words they qualified for a subsidy. And this happens all over uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. And it's part of the Show Me Institute's frustration with this policy. Is it's, it's, I mean, Missouri likes this approach better than more than other states, right? Yeah, we do an awful lot of it. I, I have been told that Kansas City and St. Louis are behind only Chicago in doing this. Now, other states do it, but we... We're almost there. We could do it. <laughs> Keep going, right. guys. We got this. We're, num- we're almost number one. So... So, again, I wanted a study that looked at what have we done in Kansas City yeah. over the past so many years, and let's actually try to suss this out. But but they just kind of took the word for it of all these corporations and said, no, this project wouldn't have happened, and here's what happened after the TIF, and so therefore it happened because of the TIF. And I don't know exactly how to how to describe it, but you know that's the type of thinking that keeps baseball players from yeah. uh, shaving before games or changing their socks yes, because yes, they yes. say, well, I didn't, I, I wore these socks and I won the game. Therefore, I won these socks or I won the game because of the socks. Yeah. And that's what developers, uh, that's what this research study did. We we saw job uh, creation. Can I just ask how much did they spend on this? Uh, oh, thank you. So uh, the city spent $350,000 on this study, um, which is twice what um, St. Louis spent on the PFM Group's study of economic development incentives. And that was just two years before? Uh, that's right, just two years before. And uh, and so the study is meaningless. And uh, Steve Vockrot at the Kansas City Star wrote a piece the day in the Star the day the report was to be pronou- uh, provided to the council. And he said, look, at if you look at CDFA... Um, kind of the you know the 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 TIF industrial complex and look at who supports them. It's development lawyers and it's development lawyers out of Kansas City. So um, the the council was very suspect 
Uh, they asked a lot of hard-hitting questions. So the questions. council seemingly was trying to get at the right answer. There were several members of the council, uh, uh, Steve Wagner and Alicia Kennedy and Quentin Lucas, who asked very pointed questions. And, and to the credit of the people answering the questions, said, no, we can't. We can't answer that. We didn't look at it this way. Oh my goodness. And and so what's happened is we spent a third of a million dollars and there's no way for policymakers to adopt better policy. What was the bottom line finding in the study? Secondhand smoke doesn't cause cancer? Right. right. The bottom hand finding was that every dollar that Kansas City spends on incentives yields $3.83 of return. Unbelievable. Every, every dollar. So, so what that means is, let, let's just say... Uh, let's say there's a development lawyer listening to this podcast and he'll say, well, Patrick, half, let's grant that half or 75% of subsidies work. All right, that's fine. But the report said every dollar spent gives us an almost $4 return. If you're saying that only 75% work, let's let's try to identify those 25%. And a real study would have done that. But this wasn't a real study. You know, from beginning to end, what they did was they hired people who have an incentive to support the status quo they developed a methodology that was not rigorous and did not examine kind of what we've done. And then they published a report which just amounted to cheerleading. So they've got they're they're they've made zero progress from where they started to where they are now. They have no good new information. Brian Caberline, to go forward. Correct. Brian Caberline, who is the editor of the Kansas City Business Journal, referred to the study in an op ed as a hot box of poo. Oh. And uh, uh, he's exactly right. This study uh, is worthless. It's absolutely worthless. And and again, the whole point of my uh, irritation is I think it was designed to be worthless. I think that they did not seriously undertake a project, despite the mandate from the council, uh, they did not seriously undertake a project that would help us determine good subsidies from bad and help future policymakers determine worthwhile investments from bad. And it may be you know, uh, people all the time ask me when I talk about TIF projects, they'll say, hey, is there an example of a good project? You come in and come in and dump on all of them. But is there an example of a good one? And my answer is, I don't know. There may be. But because a parking garage in Central West End. I think there's a parking garage in Central West End that met the requirements and now they're giving back some. But I think that probably was one of the requirements that you give it back. Yeah. And, and so there may be, uh, you know, you, you can uh, give a test. I, I know you're... Um, you know, you, you talk about uh, education policy and, and you're frustrated with the recent report card that all the schools have given. But when everybody gets an A, everyone got an A. And someone says to you, well, aren't there some good schools in here? There may be. We don't know where they are. But we don't know because your, your, your study, your test of them was such garbage that we just don't know. Yes, the premise is, is solid. There may be good subsidies out there. Let's actually adopt a meaningful way to assess them so that we can avoid funding the bad ones. But Seemingly the, community engagement and what the community wants or needs, rather than just the developer coming and saying, I'm going to build this thing. Right. What well, can I get money back? Um, you have written a report for the Show Me Institute recently connecting um, development incentives to political activity? I mean, do you think that they're a little addicted to it? Like, it, it helps them get elected? Uh, they do give a lot of money to candidates? Or or why do you think that they went with the firm that had the incentive to get a positive finding? Well, that's a great question, and I don't know the answer to okay. it. They looked at... Uh, You're just here to ask the question. Yeah, they, they looked 
uh, I know that they, they chose kind of the conflicted firm. They paid them more than even their own bid asked for, and they produced garbage. I, I have uncovered emails uh, between city uh, employees and organizations where they basically say, we need this study to support existing policy. You have that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, and that's in my report. Uh, and, uh, and let's just be clear, the $350,000 is taxpayers' money. So right. Kansas City property owners or sales taxpayers, you bought this. You bought this study. You should know you bought this study. You should ask these questions of the people you're giving your money to because as the great Dr. Milton Friedman, Nobel Prize winning economist said, the the least care is given when you're spending other people's money on other people. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's right. And 350000 so, is a lot of money. So you ask, you ask. I did do a study called Tiff for Tat where we examined political giving in, in Kansas City, and we found, hold on to your seat, that there is a relationship between political giving from developers and the amount of uh, uh, subsidies that in are given out. In a year or two before they get the That's incident. right. So, so that's not a surprise. I think, no. I think part of the problem is not just uh, uh, that, political giving. I think there's kind of this institutional... Uh, thing where politicians want to go to a ribbon cutting. They want to be able to point to a building that you and I can see and say, I did that. Mm-hmm. And um, I get it. That's really compelling. And and to show up, as I do, and say, no, you didn't, yeah. or that was going to happen anyway. You know, I was on a... You just must be a thorn in their side. I, had a tele- I was on a television show in, in uh, Kansas City, and I made the point that the... Uh, uh, H&R Block building that we subsidized downtown didn't create any new jobs. And a woman says, are you telling me that uh, nobody works there? And I wanted to explain it to her, but there was no time. There are no new jobs there. What H&R Block simply did was take the subsidy, build itself a beautiful uh, downtown building, and then move all the employees from elsewhere in the city, to their, from their satellite offices, into this glass monolith. And you also looked at Restaurant and bar employees in the Power yeah. and Light District, and how did you do that? I can't remember. This Some is a, a so license. this is great. So uh, <clears throat> Kansas City um, does what few cities do, and maybe it's unique. It requires everybody who works in a uh, bar or restaurant to have a health card, uh, and uh, each health card costs like sixty five dollars. I think it lasts three years. They do a background check, but if you if you work in those places, you have to have this card. And so what I did was I went to liquor control in the city and said, give me the number of health cards that have been out there every year for the past 20 years, and also give me the number of liquor licenses you've issued to businesses for the past 20 years. And the numbers are flat. The numbers are flat for 20 years. And so at a certain point, we opened up the Power and Light District downtown, and there are new restaurants and presumably people working in those restaurants and the illusion is we've created jobs but they have people taking their health card from this restaurant that's right to a restaurant in the power and light district or going from this h&r block building to the downtown h&r block building so nothing new we haven't created any new jobs we haven't created any new businesses we've simply incentivized them to move downtown or, or to anywhere but we've incentivized them to move downtown and here's the crazy part We've taken businesses that paid taxes into the general fund and moved them into areas where they don't, don't have pay to taxes. pay taxes. Yeah. So we haven't created any new jobs, and we've actually given weakened, up. We've 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 we're starting to hollow out our tax base, giving up tax revenue. Well, I know that University City is about to vote on a TIF for Costco over here, and I think oftentimes the general public is like, oh, Costco. Like their their con- consideration of the issue was like, do I want a Costco or not want a Costco? And then they're like, there's going to be a certain number of people who want a Costco. And it's not so much what am I giving up 
or what am I having to pay extra for to get this Costco? That's just, I don't know that's in people or the MLS stadium here. You know, it's like, well, I kind of want that. And the foundry is looking pretty good. There's a, an aquarium going on down to like some crazy projects. And we have the Lickleeds Landing, which is now basically derelict. So uh, imagine Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore has an aquarium. It's on the water. It's got a streetcar. It's got a baseball it's stadium. It's got a power and light district. It's got an entertainment district. It's called the power and light district. Uh, a power station. Oh, the power station, right. Um, it, it, nobody wants to be Baltimore. No one wants to live in Baltimore. But if you were an economic development professor, you would hold up Baltimore as like, this is the, this is the developer's dream. They've built everything. But Baltimore is a mess. And so you talk about, you know, what do we do? I think the, the, the challenge is that when when people are elected to city councils, they think of themselves as hotel barons or, uh, you know, uh, as um, railroad magnets. And they're not. Your job is to cut the grass. That's right. Cut the grass, fix the lights and uh, do it efficiently. Uh, but we create this situation where we want our mayors to build things, build Costco and. And one of my friends put it this way when he talks about uh, subsidies. He says, you know, you're, you're sitting at home and your spouse uh, comes home and says, I bought a new car. And your, new, your, your thought often isn't, cool, new car. Your first thought is what? Holy cow. How much, How much was that? <laughs> right. Because you <laughs> Why un- didn't you give me a call? <laughs> because you understand that there's a cost to all this stuff. So when your mayor pulls up in the driveway and says, I bought us a new Costco, your first question would be, what did we pay for that? And we don't. We don't. It should be. Right. Uh, And and we don't do that. So when your mayor pulls up and says, I've got a new airport or I've got a new convention hotel, you should Uh, be like. Loop trolley. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry, but like that's to me. I I see it uh, most days when it's running and I I never see anybody in it. So that's going to end up being a a major. So when your mayor pulls up in front of your house with a new bauble, a new thing, your first question should be, what should you pay for it? And by the way, did you pay for it with money that would have gone to schools? uh, Roads. Roads, infrastructure. Police. And yeah. but we should be skeptical and we should want to know what did you spend for it? Because otherwise you're right, it's just Christmas every day. We got new restaurants, we got new shopping centers, but are we are we keeping up on police? Are taxes low? And who and who is getting the benefit? I mean, these are big developers that are, you know, profitable corporations, billion dollar corporations. That's oh, that's who we're giving our money to? No, that's right. Yeah, Burns and Mac is one of the uh, 18th largest engineering firms in the world. But I, I know people accuse me of being uh, uh, over the top in my rhetoric. But we are literally taking from the poor and giving to the rich. I mean, that is what we are doing in Kansas City. It's reverse Robin Hood. And it's it's not just bad policy. It is bad policy. But it's morally reprehensible that, that we are kind of uh, making developers very, very wealthy on the backs of, of kids that, that need help. Great to talk to you. I'm, I Thanks love it. The pit in. looks wonderful. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.